I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, you may or may not know that Rebel Radio is proudly supported by Wix.com. I don't know if they're proud or not, but they should be. Damn. So I've been telling you for weeks now to rebuild your website using Wix.com. It's fast, it's easy, it's free, and you'll build a beautiful website. Well, guess what? We did that ourselves. There's a brand new site up at rebelradio.net. We got images, videos, text, all the episodes, social media, ways to contact us, everything you would want on a website. And James did it himself. No coders, none of that stuff. Just a great-looking website that was fast and easy. Well, it was fast and easy for me because James did it. But uh, anyway, get to Wix.com, build your own, and check out rebelradio.net. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, what's up? Welcome back. It's Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest today is DJ Spider. You might know him from his residence at the Wynn Hotel in Vegas. He's going on tour this summer with Blink-182, so you might see him there. And you might have seen him all over social media. This dude has his, his digital game on lock. He's going to give us some insights into how to burn up the clubs without also burning up your life, a common theme that we hear on this show, and some tips on, on how he's used social media to really ignite his career. Uh, he's got a great story about the Make DJing Great Again hat that he made, which kind of ignited a social media firestorm, and uh, it's, a, it's a great story there. So all that and more with DJ Spider right after our EDM.com track of the week. Till the morning, on and 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 on and
Yo, that was Dr. Fresh with the track called On and On. If you loved it, get over to EDM.com, hit our friends up over there, and check out some more great dance music. Right now, let's get into the interview with DJ Spider. Good. You're all good. Well, thanks for being here, DJ Spider. I appreciate you coming. Yeah. I've been following you um, kind of from afar. We don't know each other, but you know, I've been following you on social. Yeah, you and, too, actually. Uh, uh, that's weird. <laughs> well, I heard somehow I heard of this podcast like on the first episode. I listened oh, funny. to it. I feel like another podcast promoted it or someone I know, huh. and I just tuned in. I kind of like looked you up and then was like, oh, he does so many cool things. It's going to be cool. And I listened to the first one. Oh, right on. And like started, you know, subscribing. Or whatever, nice. So. But we love having great DJs on. Uh, I think, you know, the, the show's about entrepreneurship. I think in so many ways, DJs are, are really the, the entrepreneurs yeah. that uh, we can all learn from. And then, you know, in addition to uh, being a great DJ, you're also, I think, really interesting on the stuff you do on social. Oh, thanks. Um, so I'm excited to, to learn all about that, but, but welcome. All right, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell me, how'd you get started in this? How, how'd you get into music originally? I mean, I definitely never thought I'd be a DJ or even in the music business at all. Really? Um, growing up, yeah, I just, I don't know. It didn't seem like an option. And even when I started DJing, it was so much for fun and just from going to raves here like i used to go to insomniac and mm -hmm. all these raves in downtown all those warehouse parties and yeah. the stuff that's now you know edc and all sure. that and i was just so like enamored with what was you know going on there and i didn't even understand what the djs were doing i mean i had been into hip-hop and stuff you know since probably i don't know around fifth grade mm -hmm. or so like with the Beastie Boys and Run DMC and 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 as you know, I was growing up. I mean, hearing Wu Tang and Gangstar and all this stuff and, and DJ Premier and the scratches, but I didn't understand how it was made. In the arena, or rather Coliseum, these people gathering by multitudes to see one perpetrator fall to the dust after the other, quickly disposed of at the hand of a known brother. And then going to these raves, I'm like, are these guys making the music back there? I mean, I don't know, you know, and I wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily sober, so I didn't exactly know what was going on. But <laughs> of course, I then finally one of my friends got turntables. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. And yeah. I just had, like, a feeling that I could do it. I don't know why, but I just started messing around. And that's what got me into the DJ part, you know, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. just was for fun. You know, it was at the end of high school and into college. And when I got to college, I didn't know what I was doing. And they're like, we have a radio station. I'm like, oh, I'll do that. Right. So I just got as many shows as I could and as into the station as I could and I would just DJ there and, you know, even for the five years I was there, I, I didn't 
think it would be my job. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like a fun thing. What did you think you were going to do? Well, as I was in college, I, <clears throat> I slowly started learning about things you could do with music. Um, and I always thought I'd be somehow in the entertainment business, just growing up here and learning about it from my family and mm-hmm. stuff. So originally I was like, I'm going to be a, mu- a music supervisor. Like I had an okay. internship at New Line Cinema and I remember helping with that movie Boiler Room mm-hmm. and they had such dope music. And I'm like, and then I helped with that movie, uh, movie Scratch, like clearing oh, cool. the samples. And I'm like, nice. this is amazing. This is what I want to do. I can DJ at night and then do this. Yeah. And it's almost like DJing in the world. But then after a while of waking up early and then DJing at night and yeah. doing all that. Sure. And then seeing that you can actually kind of make money DJing, I realized, wait, I should kind of give it a go. Yeah. Just as a DJ, period, and see what happens, you know. What was the first like paid gig oh man well in i mean in the first gig i feel like that i got paid to play music that i didn't necessarily know or love all of it i remember Mm -hmm. in college was like an 80s party Mm -hmm. and you know when you had to buy records you only had a certain amount of records you only had a certain amount of money to buy the records so i just had drum and bass and underground hip-hop and funk music and scratch like i didn't have scratch records i didn't have 80s records so I remember I had to go to Amoeba and Rasputin. I was up in the Bay Area, uh-huh. and I just bought as many 80s records as I could. And I was kind of like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this, but they're paying me, so <laughs> I'm going to try to do it. And it was yeah. at my college, and I remember doing it, and, like, I remember girls dancing. And it gave me this crazy feeling of, like, wait a second. Like, it's not all about every, you know, just making them hear this weird raucous records you know underground thing and me do doubles of it for three minutes yeah like i can play fun songs girls can be into it then the guys are happy when the girls are happy and it's Mm -hmm. like a a different thing and i think that's what opened my mind to yeah like paying dj gigs and being open to like just open format i guess of what it is now i I didn't realize at the time you know of course so I, i think that was one of them yeah yeah well, so interesting. I mean, we, you know, we tend to think of the DJ as like the the guy that's in control, right? Right, and just kind of playing what whatever you want, and yeah, um, you know. And I think obviously there is some of that, right? And you, you know, you are supposed to take people. You're you're in charge, right, of the experience. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're yes, you're as in charge as you want to be, but I think a sign of a well it it all de- at this point everything's different so right. there's a lot of shows that are just a dj and it's a producer playing their song so right. they're still probably going to try to give the crowd what they want but before that the actual dj dj i think a huge part of it is reading the crowd reading the room and mm-hmm. going with it and using the energy and the vibes you're getting from the people to then adjust what you're doing and i think right. that's the sign of a good DJ. If you have your head down the whole time, you don't know what's happening. Everyone might be gone by the time you put your head up. You know, sure. you, you have to. That's part of a good, well-rounded DJ. I think. So, how do you learn to to read a crowd? You know, I mean, I guess just going back to that night, it started with that. I mean, seeing like, oh, they react to that. They re- they don't react to that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, with Serato, it got easier, I guess, because you had so many more options. But I remember. Um, you know, you, you start out the night and you're playing stuff that you do really want to hear that you think they might want to hear. And then you start testing out records to see if they're going to be into it. I mean, if you play a hip hop record and no one's into it, 
then you're probably not going to play that much of it. If you right. play an 80s record and they all start going crazy, crazy, you're going to go more that route. Mm -hmm. um, so you just kind of see what they react to. I mean, I still, to this day, every gig I do that, I have records and I'll test stuff out. Like, mm -hmm. oh, they're dancing to Madonna. Like, they're going to like all this stuff. Or they're like giving me thumbs down and yeah. booing me. You know, yeah. like, I'll do this. Sure. You know, and... Nowadays, it's different because everybody thinks they know everything that run these parties. And of course, they go, you know, keep it at this BPM and this vibe. And our crowd doesn't like this. And you're too old school. It's too new. It's like, oh, wow. Come on. Like, stop yeah. trying to be the, you know, know it all. Like, let me just feel this out. And sure. it's okay. Like, sometimes I'm going to mix an old school song with a new school song or something. Like, just give me, give me some room, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's very sectioned off like this is a hip-hop night this is right. this kind of night you know yeah. at some places yeah sure and, and i know you have to balance all those things right and yeah and so i know you're you're now a resident at a lot of the big clubs especially vegas yeah um, um yeah i've been going to vegas for probably almost 10 years now yeah. um just sometimes i'm resident every week of my life sometimes uh -huh. it's every month sometimes just one-offs you know it just yeah. goes up and down uh, depends what companies I'm working with, but yes, I'm basically there at least once a month, if not more. Right, um, and then other places. So that seems to be like the place where, oh, thank you. You know, maybe you'll see the most of that, like the club owners or the managers really being super hands on. Yes, but it's weird. There's a there's a like a huge. Um, difference in some clubs i have some clubs that literally want to tell me what to do the entire time they have bottle presentation right. songs which right. is ridiculous i understand they're trying to go cater to the people spending a lot of money sure. but you know they're like okay put on this i'm on a boat i need kenny Loggins, danger zone we've got right. top gun coming out we need this we need this we need it's classical you know and yeah play this they're just telling you what to do the whole time which is annoying and mm -hmm. throws you off as a DJ and creatively right. makes you feel sometimes like, what am I doing? You know, right. but I have other clubs that almost have never said anything to me. You know, yeah. I mean, I there's clubs I've done in Atlantic City that are just huge bottle service casino type places that never have said one word to me. And even when I was at the Win, I I mean, I was I was at there for three years, over three years, every Friday night at Trist. I don't think they ever told me what to play, you mm -hmm. know, and they were mm -hmm. just like, great job, or, you know, we'd talk about it, but that right. was great, you know, and I got to go to their other clubs, feel out what they were trying to do, and yeah. do it. Yeah. So it changes place to place, and sure. management to management, they have different, I guess, techniques. Yeah. Well, what I think is cool is that, you know, that seems to work for you, right? I, yeah. You know, I've talked to different DJs, we had JCO on. Yeah. You know, who's... Um, yeah, he's the homie. You know, yeah, I know you guys are the uh, same manager. Um, yeah, and we I've known him forever. I mean, he's like one of, he's like hardest working man in the sure. DJ business. I mean, he's always been grinding so hard on every front. And right. I was on uh, one of his Super 7 mixes. Yeah. And, you know, he's just an amazing scratch DJ and everything and now is doing so much dope stuff sure. in his production. Yeah, so he talked about his, you know, his goal is to kind of, uh, not necessarily get out of the clubs, but really focus right. on the festivals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, somebody like Adam 12 that we had on talked about, you know, he wants to do his own clubs. Right. Right. Where he, 
you know, he's in charge and yeah. he decides everything and, he and has all that. Some and amazing stories from DJing in those bottle service clubs. For oh sure. My God. Like hilarious yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Just stuff going wrong. Like why he's not supposed to be in there. Right. But he's so good. I mean, going to his Apex nights and yeah. just all of his, he's so versatile and then just so knowledgeable on music and yeah. just a smooth DJ, you know. Yeah just makes people dance which is the best so that's what i find interesting is like everybody you can kind of find your lane yeah even within this right yeah you can um so what's yours right now you're 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 burning up the clubs i mean is that is that the plan long term or i mean i don't know how long term you can be burning up the clubs but uh without burning up your (laughs) life but um yeah i mean i've been doing that for a long time and um I, there's, you know, I guess it's been, I do have my lane and that is partially my lane, but I've had so many lanes. I've been DJing for 20 years. I mean, there was 10 years that I had never been to a nightclub. I was just a scratch DJ. I was doing the root down and all these like underground clubs. I mean, I was a drum and bass DJ for a while. I was Uh in a hip hop group. I was in a rock group. We would tour. I was just doing scratches and I've tried so many things. I love all the different parts of it. So I try everything. And then I remember seeing meeting and seeing dj am and just going wait a second i think i want to do that you know Uh he's sort of has a a similar taste to me a similar taste as me and then he's doing that stuff and he's in the clubs and uh he's making money which isn't the most important thing but it's kind of cool you know and uh helps yes especially as you get older yeah um and um yeah so that became my focus was okay, I want to do these special events in L.A. Like, he does these, like, Hollywood-type, you know, parties for whatever, networks Mm -hmm. and the Oscars and the Grammys and all that, and then do, I'd be a traveling club DJ, you know? And um, that was my goal, and it kind of, I started doing it. Um, But within it, I've always still had a love for being a scratch DJ and doing so many other things, and so I still do that. I do scratches on people's records, and... Um, I try to put out, like I've done a couple mixes for BBC lately, and they haven't been mainstream at all. Mm-hmm. I try to be very, I guess, I don't know if it's a taboo word, but mashup style, where I'm just taking different styles and mixing yeah. it all together. important is that for you to kind of get out of like just to do different stuff it's it's fun i just need to re- stay inspired you know yeah. like with the club stuff it can become a, a grind and you can get in this weird place where you just don't have a good perspective sometimes um so it's fun just to to go and i mean sometimes i just go in my room and scratch for two hours because it just gives me that feeling like i'm in high school or something right. again and yeah it makes me motivated to go do other things you yeah. know um but yeah, that's my quote unquote lane for now. But then like 
I just got asked to go on this Blink-182 tour and be the opening act, which is so out of my lane. Yeah, thanks. I'm super excited, but I'm also like, it's somewhat out of my comfort zone, I guess, or out of my lane because I'm going to be doing a show in front of, I don't know how many people. I mean, these places are going to be fifteen to 25,000 people, and uh, I'm on before them. So that's actually fun for me to put together that show. So why... Why'd they pick you? <laughs> you know, because um, I'm the best. No, <laughs> I, I, you know, I I have a good relationship with Travis Barker uh-huh. um, and Blink's uh, management. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess something like that. I mean, Travis is the well, ultimate homie. He's the best. Yeah. And, like, I've been doing stuff with him for a really long time um, in different capacities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done some things where, like... Um, where I just did scratches on records for him and um, like when he was producing for Paul Wall or whoever, Mm -hmm. he had a group with Paul Wall called Expensive Taste. I remember I did a show with them scratching and he had a thing with Yellow Wolf Mm -hmm. where he played drums and I DJed and Yellow Wolf uh, was rapping and we were at the Roxy and it's always been, you know, we've always talked and done that kind of stuff and um, I've been helping him with his drum. He does a drum DJ show himself mm-hmm. now, where he scratches and plays drums. And yeah. I've been, you know, just helping him in whatever way I can with that. And he's had me scratch on stuff, you know, other songs he's been doing for people. Mm-hmm. And then I guess they were just like, "Come with, you know, you want to come with us on a forty-nine city tour on a bus for three months all wow. over the United States, back and forth, and up to Canada." And wow. I'm like, at first I was like telling my wife i'm like i got asked to do this thing but they you know they said i can break up the date she's like no you have to do it so i'm like You're that's the cool best. yeah that's she's a cool like wife. very supportive yeah i know i'm very lucky i think so she was like you have to do this you know it's once in a lifetime opportunity just go for it so yeah. i was like all right sign me up let's go yeah so that's kind of a a departure from that lane, and then I'll be doing after parties uh-huh. that'll be in the lane, you know, doing those right. those clubs. Um, but it's fun for me. I love doing those clubs. I try to incorporate scratching and all the things I love within the bottle service clubs, mm-hmm. um, which is, I guess, why some of them don't like me and some of them do like me, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I'd rather be myself and have people not like me than try to cater so hard and then just feel like a piece of garbage when I'm going to sleep at night. For sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the blink thing's interesting. I you know, I wonder how I don't know, what do you think it says about your brand that that you're able to to make sense of that? Um excuse me. Um I guess, you know, I can be versatile. Um I'm known for playing a lot of different things including rock music mm-hmm. and being able to mix it together in a smooth but party way where people can dance but it's still a fun show to watch i Mm -hmm. guess i mean i'm talking about myself so it feels weird but (laughs) you know i'll i'll i feel like i know what to do in those type of situations um but at the same time i don't know any other punk rock tour that has had a dj um as the opening act so right i think they're trying something new yeah um, and I'm thankful that they're trying it out on me and they're giving me a chance to bring something to the table for it, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. And like, I did scratches on the Blink album too. Okay, I don't know if that helped. Uh, yeah, you probably know, getting in there. But sure, um, I haven't even heard it yet. But I'm on one of the songs, and um, yeah, I think it just says that I, hopefully, you know, they think I can rise to the occasion for this and give all these fans that probably don't even know who the hell I am mm-hmm. um, something that they'll like and something that's gonna pump them up and make them feel good before the other bands and and Blink goes on. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited. So tell me about um, Fog and Smog Films. <laughs> so I, I see in the videos, uh, and so for people who don't know, the, the Whole Foods parking lot yes. was like a huge viral success. What you need to do is put your little hybrid in reverse and go out the way you came in. What? Yo, it's about to get real in the Whole Foods parking lot, man. It's getting real in the Whole Foods parking lot. I got my steel and you know it gets sparked a lot. I'm on my grind, homie. It's on my mind, homie. These fools with clipboards are looking at me like they know me. It's getting real in the Whole Foods parking lot. You know the deal with the little shopping carts they got. Check out what I say. It happens every day. It's how we live on the west side of L.A. I'm riding slow in my Prius. All leather, tinted windows. You can't see us. Everybody's trying to park. You can feel the tension. I'm in electric mode. Yes, Whole Foods parking lot, um, Yoga Girl. Yeah. We had a few of them. Um, Whole Foods, I mean, Fog and Smog is somewhat defunct at this point. Okay. But um, they're still my really good friends. And um, they all, as we were doing it, everybody had their own life. You know what I mean? We were all guys that were married, about to have kids. Like, Mm -hmm. it was almost like if it would have happened... A little, 10 years earlier or somewhat which it couldn't have because of YouTube everything right. happened at the right moment sure. anyway but our lives maybe weren't in the best place to go let's just quit our normal jobs and do this forever mm-hmm. um, it would have been fun like I want I was in a good position to do that because I don't do that much stuff in the daytime I'm right. just like around you yeah, know, sure. like DJ at night so so and what what was your what was your involvement like um, I think you know the main like head of fog and smog was this guy dj dave Mm -hmm. dave whitman he's um a composer for advertisements like like advertising stuff he's super dope at that he's actually a dj he like we used to just have scratch sessions and he would teach me different scratches and he was in a hip-hop group and stuff too like Mm me but he became a a composer and um he just uh well i remember one day he he went to the Whole Foods parking lot. He went to Whole Foods on like Rose and mm-hmm. Lincoln in Venice and couldn't find a parking space and then went back to the studio for the advertising place. And yeah. like, That's I think hilarious. he had told me like someone asked him like why, you know, he, he may was making sample beats somewhat and someone asked him why, why aren't you using, incorporating like electronic sounds or the EDM sounds or whatever into your beats. So he made this beat and then wrote that song and sends it to me and my friend Jake who was the editor and was like his sidekick in the video. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, oh my God, this is hilarious. Like we got to make a video. So yeah. just kind of got some people together. This guy, George Woolley and um, everyone had a different part. You know, there was mm-hmm. a bunch of people in the group um, and everyone had their part in it. I mean, mine was more just to do whatever I could do, be be the DJ in the video, right. help promote it on social media because I was on there a lot and help try to get it out to people that could post it and stuff and just 
then when we were in meetings about all the other stuff, just help with brainstorming, like yeah. what we should do for the next video and the next one. Because we ended up doing like five of them or something. Yeah, yeah. Nothing was as big as Whole Foods. Sure. But, um, like Whole Foods itself, or we're using quotes of it in the store and like selling uh-huh. us gift certificates. Is that right? Yeah. They oh, were, that's funny. They were so hyped on it. I mean, they put it on their Facebook. and. Did you send it to them or they just found no, it? No, they found it. I mean, it went yeah. crazy. Yeah, I remember yeah, it was remember. my... I don't know, anniversary, like wedding anniversary or something. We were somewhere in Santa Barbara and we had put the video out the night before and I woke up and it was like, we got a million views overnight or some crazy right. thing. They're like, they want us to go on the Today Show, like everything. Like it's on every news station, it's on everything. I'm like, what? I'm like, you know, in Santa Barbara with my wife trying yeah. to hang out and we were just like, this is insane. So it just spread like wildfire, just just because people hate parking at Whole Foods. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it was just a real, because he really just wrote it right after he went there. It was yeah. so real, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, he was right next door to this yoga studio and just was like, let's I mean, do this. It's like, yeah, it's so, you, you know, there's so much truth in. That's what in it was. That. I mean, yeah. he's in Venice. Yeah. He sees all this stuff. It's it's that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we're always just joking around with each other and laughing. And, yeah. um, one of the other guys in the video we did, he was, he did my college radio show with me forever. And then okay. we had an online radio show for a long time. So, um, you know, we've always just liked to do projects together and laugh about stupid crap, yeah. you know? Yeah, of course. Um, so, uh, you know, besides that, you're obviously, yeah. you know, you're big on Vine, and you're you're like really active in social. Yeah, Is Vine, that... I've like fallen off a little bit. I used Have to you? love it so much yeah. um, when it came out, but I don't know what happened. I just uh, there's so many of them, it's hard for me to keep up. And yeah, then once I had a kid and stuff, like yeah. it was hard for me to. Everything I feel like... weird, like oh, I'm ignoring my kid. I'm like on my phone. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So and then once like Instagram and Snapchat and all that, and you can film. It's like hard to know what to whip right. your phone out and start filming on, you know, mm-hmm. and then what platform to transfer it to, you know. Um, so that's I, what I was going to yeah. ask. Like, is there a, you know, is there a strategy or like, are you just doing stuff for fun? Or I'm just like, doing it for fun. Yeah. I, I wish I had a, more of a strategy. Um, sometimes I think about it or I can envision one, but I don't know if I'm just too lazy or I just, I don't know. I just don't feel like incorporating it but so how much does it matter like i said i know you have the mag life i love those little videos yeah that started with vine so you're in the airport yeah and like at the magazine stand right yeah if you if you look up the hashtag dj spider mag life um you'll see like i don't know if i have a hundred yet but a hundred of these like 15 second videos of me just basically imitating a magazine it's like yeah. you can be from any there's no words so you could you don't have to speak a language to understand it's just me right. making fun of a face it was on Vine. I, I remember being, I had like been up all night. I was probably drunk or something in the morning in the Vegas airport. And I went in that weird store that has like the underwear with stuff written on it. Like, <laughs> you know, on like boxers and says like home of the Whopper, like some <laughs> stupid comment. And I was like filming it and then doing my face reaction. I thought it was funny at the time. And I had another like two seconds left and I didn't know what else to do. And I found a magazine that imitated the face. And people were like, oh, that's funny. And then the Instagram came out with like right. a 15 second video. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, this is perfect. Yeah. So I went and did it again. And everyone was like, that's so funny. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, people actually like this dumb thing I'm doing. So I just, it's funny. You know, it's yeah. something fun for me to do in the airport and yeah, just sure. like 
you know, well as a dj you spend a lot of time in airports oh my god i'm there yeah. and with delays and yeah of course you know and then it's fun to do sometimes i get confronted by the uh hudson news employees. oh really? yeah i mean most of the time not like people are always like i want to see the behind the scenes of what the people <laughs> are looking at you like i'm like i don't look at the people i don't know of what course they're, they're probably like what is this guy doing yeah but I've had, yeah, sometimes they come up and just go, what do you, excuse me, sir, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just uh, taking a picture for my friend. Yeah. But one time in Reno, this this person was just like, got so mad. Like, I don't like what you're doing. You know, this is not good, not good. You have to get out of here. And I'm like, there's no rule. I can't right. film a magazine cover. And then, do, and I tried to show her. I'm like, look. It's, I'll show you. And she's like, no, no. She's covering her face. And she, you know, I, I, I don't <laughs> oh, want to see it. I don't want to see it. I'm like, it's, you know. So then she ends up st going so close to me and staring at me while I'm doing it. So it felt so awkward that I'm like, oh, I'm leaving. And luckily there's That's weird amazing. like bear sculptures in the Reno airport. So I uh, just finished it off with that one. That's hilarious. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just some stupid thing I do. Um, there's not really any rhyme or reason to the stuff I do. Wix.com is the sponsor of Rebel Radio, and it's also a great way to build your own website fast, free, and easy. You can create a stunning website today. Just jump on there, use their beautiful templates, drop in your text and images, and bam, you got your own website. We did it ourselves. You can check ours out at rebelradio.net, and then you can go over to Wix.com and build your own. W-I-X.com. what i wonder oh and then the other thing i love this so uh make djing great again yeah awesome thanks um obviously very relevant <laughs> yeah so it's the trump slogan yeah. you know make america great again and and it, is it just for fun or is there like a statement about honestly, djing or politics or anything we're supposed to take from well it? i w i'll say so i'm doing it with this guy um another dj named mr best and cool. uh, he's one of my good friends he's a dope dj and he hit me and was like, yo, we should do um, a hat that's like the Trump thing, make DJing great again. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I want to associate anything with Trump. Right. Like, it's so ridiculous. You sure. Know? And then I was like, wait, you know what? It's just a joke. Let's just do it. It'll be so funny. Like, let's yeah. just make a few of them. So we made like 20 just, you know, as a joke. Figure we'll give them to a couple DJs. I'll post it on the internet. Uh-huh. Complete joke. Obviously, it has somewhat of a meaning, but not really. I mean, it was a joke, you right. know. Yeah, sure. And um, and so we but we post it, and it kind of went not viral like the whole foods thing, but viral in the DJ world in the yeah. sense that so many big DJs were like number one saying, "I need that hat. Send mm -hmm. it to me immediately." I'm like, "Oh my god!" So we just ran out of the hats like right. that day. I mean, like. You know, Diplo, everyone's hitting us like, yeah. yo, need that hat right now. It's like that day I'm bringing it to him. I'm I'm sending it to everybody, you know, Jazzy Jeff, like yeah. so many people. I mean, even the Cascades like tweeting me about it. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, but the other side of it was it had a crazy backlash, you know. Really? Which then began these insane debates on Facebook and Instagram from 
um, DJs in Germany, like all over the world, just like, how could you make that? I mean, it's as if I'm making a hat, you know, that had a Hitler quote um, about DJing. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But, right. you know, I mean, and one of the guys that was saying that I have the utmost respect for, like, he's an amazing DJ. Yeah. And um, even other ones that were kind of hating on it, I, I have so much respect for them, you know. Sure. And I have respect for their opinion on it. Like, I even understand what they're saying, but I I was going to write back, but then so many other big DJs were, were writing back, and these the debate got so amazing that wow. it was giving me insight into how much this hat or saying or whatever did mean and kind of how art is... It's almost like artistic in a way where it brought out some emotions and was a divisive thing and made right. people sure. think, you know, and debate like, no, he's saying this, he's saying this, like <laughs> he's a horrible person. He's great. I love it. It's a joke. You're an idiot. And they're going crazy back and forth. That's fantastic. And they're showing each other stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty interesting. So we printed up like 500 more of them and made yeah. a little store for people that want to buy them. And we made stickers and, Someone, uh, my friend just made some slip mats and mm -hmm. we had some couple other things that we'll make for it. And, nice. you know, it kind of turned into a weird little movement with the hashtag because I noticed all these people entering in the Red Bull 3 style and just bedroom DJs using it, like, and they just to promote their video of them right. scratching. Yeah. And I'm like, this is kind of dope. So we created an Instagram and I'm like, let's just use this Instagram to promote, like, DJing that we think is dope. And, I think a lot of old school people were looking at it like, that's right, make TJN great again. Serato sucks. Right, right, right. CDJs suck. I'm yeah. not saying that. Like, I don't care if you DJ on an iPad. If you're right. dope, it's dope. You know, I don't care if you're just pushing the buttons. I'm, I'm not part of that school. Like, of you have to do one thing or another. Vinyl's the only thing. Like, to me, make DJN great again is do it for the, the passion. Do mm -hmm. it for what you love. Be creative with what you have. You know, a lot of the greatest guys started with the crappiest equipment and just made the best of it. And as they made money, that's when you got the good stuff. So, right. I mean, just being at South by Southwest, I saw guys that were so inspiring that I'd never heard of. I mean, I I was doing like um like a set with Mick Boogie or Mick now, mm -hmm. and um you know he's really dope. And we were doing this two by four thing, and it was really cool. And this guy came on after some local dude named Buck Rogers and he had like a machine controller and he's just doing kind of what A-Rab music does mm -hmm. and Jeremy Ellis and those guys, but in a party rocking sort of way, which I had never seen. And he's playing songs that people are dancing to and scratching. He's really good at scratching. He's playing Staying Alive and then boom, flipping to like remixing the song, but not going so crazy that people have to watch him. They can keep doing right, it. And, right. There's stuff like that make DJing great again. There's so many things, you know, yeah. that you can do. So yeah. it actually became somewhat real. And that's why I want to curate with the Instagram, like post up and coming DJs, dope old mm -hmm. school DJs and show people that don't know much about DJing to learn about it, have fans that are into it, be able to watch and give people that don't have a big outlet, um, maybe a better outlet so people can see yeah. a bedroom DJ that deserves it, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's it's been yeah. a weird thing. I just thought it was a stupid joke. <laughs> so, but if you think about all this stuff, you know, the the online, the the social stuff, like how much yeah. does it matter to your uh, business and your career? The social stuff? I mean, it matters a lot. Um, it does. 
I don't like to think in terms of that, but yeah. you're forced to in a way, and sure. the, and then the world moves in that way, and then, um, I don't know. I mean, I look at social media; it's weird. I love it; it's so much fun. I also see social media as like the, like I don't know the right wording, but like, like social media like advocates unhappiness and comparison and jealousy sort mm -hmm. of or mm -hmm. it just makes you like look at what everybody else is doing in a way which then makes you think about yourself which is somewhat unhealthy you know like you should be just looking inside yourself and competing with yourself and doing things for your own reasons but you get sucked into this world which then can make you unhappy i mm. think it's just a weird thing but it's fun at the same time right so, and then it's the whole thing of, oh, how many followers do they have? Okay, we're going to pay them this much, you know? Right. So it's well, that's what that. I wonder, right? So when these things happen, like, can you see that? Do you see that in your bookings? Do you see it in the conversations sort of. you're having I mean, with promoters? Kind of, and Yeah, like, yeah. I remember the whole foods thing. I mean, we got booked. Like, I had clubs hitting me up all of all over the place like we will fly the whole group up you'll dj you perform whole foods parking lot we did shows with too nice. short it was the weirdest oh, wow. thing ever i mean these guys are from the bay area yeah that i was with so they were just like this is a dream come yeah. true like i booked a show where i'm dj in a club and two shorts performing and we're performing it was like a weird surreal dream and two shorts probably looking at us like what the hell the is this kids, yeah. yeah like this is so stupid but yeah i mean that thing got bookings this hat i mean i'm doing a club that wants to do a night called Make DJ Great Again, and nice. they're hitting me up about it, and um, all of it plays into it. I mean, the Mag Life, the clubs use it to promote it, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't start the projects like that, but sure, if they want to use it, sure. I mean, yeah. I don't care. You know, it's it's hard to see like that certain amounts of followers will get people gigs, but I understand it. It's it's advertising mm -hmm. for the clubs. You know, it's free advertising, and they want eyeballs to see their club. So if somebody has a lot of followers, they're going to get those eyeballs to see them. I guess. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing. I mean, I've heard a lot of debate about that. Yeah, you know, and obviously there's some ways that it's just obviously ridiculous. Right? Yes, of course. But the flip side is, you know, what should people use, right? And I know. and you know. There's a lot of great DJs out there. There's a lot of not so great DJs out there, and like, yeah. you know, it's it's sort of naive to think like if you're on the buying side that you're just going to be able to listen and you know to a mixtape, yeah, and hear the brilliance in some guy and know that that's the right fit for your room. Yeah, exactly. And I think the old school model was they would have a DJ, they would have promoters, which I'm sure they still have, but. It's different now because the promoter right. is the social media in a way, yeah. you know, and so Absolutely. if a DJ has a huge social media following, they're almost both in one and the club's like, great, here we go. We'll give you more money and, sure, you know, plus they'll hire a really good DJ to open and close that will get paid a couple hundred dollars and the other person will get paid thousands of dollars. Right. So it's unfair, but yeah. every city has amazing, amazing DJs. I mean, just that you've never heard of you know yeah. so even these guys in vegas i mean you'll see these guys that will close out a club in vegas and they're so good it's crazy they're probably getting paid like 0.0001 percent of right. the guy before them you know yeah. they're getting four hundred dollars and the guy before is getting four hundred thousand right. dollars but at that point it's not based on the 
how good you are. You know, they right. want to have the good person to sure. keep people in the club, but they want that other person to bring the business, bring, the people there. bring the status to them and mm-hmm. elevate them to be the club of that city, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. So I understand it. I I try not to be negative or hate on anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the game, I guess, you know. Yeah. And if you just take it all with a grain of salt, have fun with it, then who cares, you yeah. know. If you take it, if you're so crazy and you're, you're buying all your followers and you're, you're, you have such a strategy and you're so, you know, like I, I can't do that thing where I look at who unfollowed me or followed me. Right. And, you know, I can't believe it. I'm not friends with them. I'm like, please, if you do not like what I'm posing, unfollow me. I'd rather yeah. be friends with you in real life than have you think I'm annoying, which I probably am, you know, on social media. It's like, who cares? It's social media. It's funny. I have a friend who was just saying, like, he's like, I love it when people cancel, like, a uh, lunch with me or something. Cause, like, if you got something better to do, like, go do it. Yeah. Like, exactly. let's only hang out if that's what we both really want to do. Yeah. I don't want your mind somewhere else. I don't yeah. want you think, yeah, like, not everyone is going to like my personality on social media. I don't yeah. care, you know. Plus, who are all these people? I mean, everyone looks at those girls or whoever. Oh, she has 7.8 million followers. It's like, yeah. you know, 7.7 million of them are like the weirdest dudes in a dark room. Like, hey, baby, I love your style. Like, For sure. she, no one wants even in their club or right. around them. But yeah. You know, they still utilize that 7.8 million as like an advertising number or yeah, something. Absolutely. So, so yeah. who, uh, how have you learned all this stuff? Have you had mentors uh, that have helped you? You mean with music stuff in general? Like, um, yeah. Like, I mean, are you, are you, you know, are you learning everything kind of on your own trial and error or have people uh, stepped up to help you? I mean, in the beginning, it was all. By myself. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I just was like, I got turntables. I got a few friends. We don't know what's going on. I just, you know, would, I would, I would buy, I would watch VHS tapes, you know, of like the invisible scratch pickles Mm -hmm. and like rock Raider and Rob Swift and those guys. And I would listen to tapes of that, you know, I mean, that was all that. But, um, I think in the, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had a mentor per se, but there's people I've really looked up to and that have helped me and that I've sort of not modeled after, but just thought that's cool. I want to try to do my own take on that. So like, um, like when I like, well, so I, okay. Like about 10 years in, I entered a contest for that BPM magazine was throwing. I had never traveled anywhere in DJ. I'd never done anything. I'd always wanted to go to winter music conference. It was the Mm -hmm. thing to do when I was in college radio. I didn't know what it was, but it sounded so cool. I knew all these like hip hop guys would go do shows there. I didn't even know it was so like EDM heavy Mm -hmm. at the time. And I remember that was the prize. You got to like open for Mark Ronson at a, you know, uh, winter music conference. So I'm like, okay, I'll enter this. What do I have to lose? You know, and I had I had entered other contests, and uh, there was this guy Steve Wonder I had met in L.A., and he became one of my best friends, and he's someone that sort of he had a really big influence on me, just his music, and he was yeah. just so inspirational to me, like everything, like he was doing and the stuff he was into, and he knew so much about breaks, and his vinyl collection was crazy, and. So, and he just became like my partner, my best friend in all this. And we, we became a two by four team and we would enter these scion contests. And we, I remember we would win like the two by four thing and nice. uh, it was fun, but that never like 
went anywhere with you know we would open for like biz marquee or someone right. or pete rock it was yeah. it was my dream come true but that was it i would right. you know go back home and go dj a bar for 150 dollars mm-hmm. and make no you know i couldn't mm-hmm. support myself i was like working at a perfume company like filling bottles all day and then like, oh wow it was crazy but um so i entered that contest i remember uh doing that and even telling my mom like one like after i made the mix i remember like just kind of like staying up all night. I think I like smoked a bunch of weed, like stayed up all night, had to make this 30-minute mix, send it in. And then I remember telling my mom, like, I think I'm going to quit DJing. Like, I've been doing this for like 10 years. I can't make more than like 150 to 300 bucks a week. I don't know what's going on. I'm working at a perfume place. It's ridiculous. I got to get like a real job and do what I thought I was going to do. And then randomly like that day, I get a call and they say, hey, uh, I'm with Mark Ronson. Uh, he just picked your mix as the winning mix. Um, we want you next week to go play with him at LAX nightclub in LA, which is DJ AM's club, and then go to Winter Music, open for him and AM, and like all this stuff. I'm like, what are you? Wow. Is this a joke? That's amazing. I thought it was one of my friends. And yeah. then, so that ends up happening. And um, the guy who was calling me was Matt Colin. He's mm-hmm. Steve Aoki's manager now, and he does so much stuff. And he, you know, they really put me on and kind of like, showed me what was going on but but to to go to the mentor thing it wasn't like mark ronson was my mentor but being able to see that was unbelievable you know and just see what that guy had been doing what he was doing and then being able to he put i went on quote unquote tour with him it wasn't like we were on a bus all over the Mm -hmm. place but Mm -hmm. we played in philadelphia this place you know a bunch of cities and to me it was just insane i hadn't done stuff like that before and um seeing his and also I had just seen AM's DJing and was so inspired by that. And then seeing Mark Ronson, almost like the East Coast version of it and how different it was and just the right. way he was dropping stuff was so amazing. So I don't know. I took all of that. I internalized it, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. And then that night where we did the winter music was like a life-changing night for me. We were at Mansion and I I'm opened sure. for them. And I mean, it was crazy. Like everybody was on stage, like Timbaland, Pharrell, like everyone I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, mm-hmm. every DJ I'd ever looked up to was there. And I was beyond nervous. I mean, I, I was like shitting in my pants. And so I did my set. That's great. And then I remember seeing him like AM did the dopest set ever. And then Mark gets on and he does the craziest set. And he's just on the fly doing a Timberland versus Pharrell set. Like, uh-huh. and he's like, boom, back and forth. And like every time you play one, like Timberland's team will go crazy. And then Pharrell's team will go crazy. And I'm like, how is this even happening? And just seeing all that, like it taught me so much, you yeah. know, about, wow, this is what it is to yeah. be a DJ. And you got to be ready for all these things. And yeah. um, so I guess, you know, that, and then AM helped me a lot, you know, uh, with getting gigs and, uh, getting me on his management team, you know, in the very beginning of Dexstar and um and all that stuff. So so that was mentorish. It wasn't yeah. like I was with him every day like sure. how do I do this? But right. uh you know, a lot of times I'd feel awkward even hitting him up and asking for stuff. I mean, he's so busy and of course. So everybody wanted to talk to him and I'm not one to really ask for stuff and I don't want to bother people, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So um like yeah that that in that way i guess that was mentorish and i've had other people i i look up to but it's a little bit from afar yeah. um and then trying to take it in and then bring it back out from my own perspective if yeah. that makes sense that's great well we're uh we're out of time oh, but damn. but i have um <laughs> but i always so 
I don't know if you can pick somebody, but do you have a favorite DJ? Oh God, I don't know. Um, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I've had so many through my life. You know, like um, Jazzy Jeff is so amazing, so inspirational. The fact what he has done through the time of DJing and how he's progressed and constantly progressing is so amazing. He's definitely one of my favorite DJs. You know. Yeah. I mean, but growing up, I mean, going to raves here, there's this guy, R.A.W., mm-hmm. who was just, he was the reason I wanted to be a DJ. I mean, he was unbelievable. And there was a guy, DJ Hype from London, that was everything to me. You know, yeah. there was so many people. Cubert, I mean, that's all I listened to. Cubert, Shortcut, all Invisible Scratch Pickles, and um, the East Coast guys, the X-Men. I mean, as I grew as a DJ, I just would have different favorite DJs over time. You know, and then DJ AM... It's probably the most inspirational DJ to me that is constantly in my head every time I'm DJing and mm-hmm. anytime I'm listening to music or doing a mix, I think about him. Um, so they're, it's just like they're all That's in great. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. That's dope. Well, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I wish me. we had more time. I know. Come back after the tour, man. I'd love okay. to hear how it went and uh, yeah. and hear about what's next. Yeah, hopefully I got a bunch of weird videos from it. And stuff. For sure. <laughs> um, where does everybody find you? Uh, well, I'm online um, in different variations of DJ Spider. So um, my Instagram is DJ Spider, just spelled D-J-S-P-I-D-E-R. And my Twitter and website and stuff is D-E-E-J-A-Y-S-P-I-D-E-R. So just Google DJ Spider and you'll probably find me. Somewhere. The challenges of the web yes. and all the names. Yeah, there's stuff. all these jerks that yeah. have different uh, things For that sure. they won't give me. So Right. But yeah, Google me. You see some guy with curly hair <laughs> and uh, making funny faces, and uh, you'll find me. Awesome. Thanks, right. man. Uh, Thank you. I'm going to come look for you on tour. All right. Dope. Sounds good. Good stuff. Right. Peace. Yes, that was DJ Spider. Check him out online. Yo, go buy yourself a Make DJ and Great Again hat. Post a picture of it online at our Twitter, at Rebel Radio Net, or on Facebook. And don't forget to leave us a five-star iTunes review if you would. I'd appreciate that. Come back next week for more Rebel Radio. And before I let you go, we're going to pay some bills with our sponsor, Wix.com. Check out Wix.com. It's a great tool for building your own website. You can do it all by yourself. You can add images, text, social media, videos. It's easy to make your own site without hiring spending tons of money on designers and programmers and blah, blah, blah. Just go to Wix.com now and build your own website today. Send us a note. Let us know how it is. Wix.com. W-I-X.com.